I used to hold a lot of grudges, particularly letting the pain and anger fester within me towards people no longer in my life. There are some grudges that have stayed with me much longer than others. Here's one of them. When I was in eighth grade, my best friend of many years turned on me. She took many of my friends with her. Most of them would still talk to me when she wasn't around, but I was cut from the group. And middle school is all about groups. Her reasoning was that I had flirted with a boy when I was in a relationship with another one. I had been in that relationship for one day. (laughs) He had called me and asked me to go out, and we had not yet even seen each other, let alone go on a date or hold hands. It was a terrible crime I had committed. And when my boyfriend heard that I had flirted with another boy, he broke up with me. So I was left in the blink of an eye, alone. I held on to this grudge for a long time. Even in writing this, and clearly in saying it, a little stale resentment and sorrow came up in my heart, particularly as I focused on the injustice I felt it was. Perhaps if I had done something terrible to her, I would have felt it was okay for her to abandon me. But the point is, with whatever my justification, I held on to that grudge, letting it grow deeper and more painful over the years. Many years of therapy and personal work later, I have been able to chip away at it ever so slowly. And during my third year of seminary, while working with a therapist with whom I had a very productive relationship, something strong shifted almost all at once. I let go of the grip that this young woman, who no longer really existed, had on my life. I let the pain and the anger out. I forgave her for what she had done to me. And most importantly, I took ownership over my feelings. I owned that while she had done something terrible, it was my response to feel so utterly betrayed, to feel so entirely shut out from all love, to feel so disconnected. And it was even more my doing to take those feelings and allow myself to start believing that I might deserve betrayal or that I wasn't worthy of belonging and love that those connections weren't mine to have. That lost friend didn't make me feel those things. She didn't create the meaning that I made out of her actions and my feelings, which had cost me much more damage than her actual actions. I finally stopped playing the victim to someone who had left my life some 15 years before. I started owning what her actions had brought up in me what feelings her actions had evoked that I had put entirely on her and never taken any responsibility for. And I started the process of changing those feelings that had been strengthened by many other moments of disconnection and loss. Forgiving her wasn't really about forgiving what she did as much as it was about working through the blossoming of pain and sorrow that she had fed in me. It wasn't so much about what she did as it was about what was still working away at me 
in part because of her actions and in part because of so much else. And letting go of that old grudge has had an incredible effect on me. It hasn't been an overnight process learning that I deserve love and belonging, just like everyone else, and that I don't deserve disconnection and rejection and abandonment. These lessons are still being learned after a lifetime of coming to believe otherwise. But taking responsibility for my feelings, for all of my pain, and for my transformation has been the key. Before, I relished blaming everyone else for my pain. And often I came back to those people that had betrayed me or left me or transgressed against me in some unspeakable ways years ago that were continuing to have active roles in my life as I perceived them sources of all of my pain and anguish. And the people who hurt me anew, who awoke the deep wells of stored-up sorrow and anger they may not have known were there, they bore the real brunt of all that I carried with me. It seemed easier just to blame everybody else. That way I didn't have to do any work. I didn't have to feel the sorrow and let it go. I could hold on to it as my security blanket and hide from connection and belonging and love. That seemed much safer. I could run and try to hide for a long time, it seemed, but not forever. Because I was causing perpetual suffering to myself. I was creating what I believe hell to be, a state of mind and heart where we believe that we deserve the suffering that we are inflicting upon ourselves and seeking in others. While we as Unitarian Universalists don't believe that our immortal soul is in any danger, as our anthem might suggest, we do believe that our lives here and now depend on us to face the truth within us. We do believe that the choices we make about how we practice love and forgiveness and how we handle our own mistakes and follies have a grave effect on how much joy and wonder we can experience in this life. In that process of forgiving this one young woman who had shut me out of her life, and her group of friends, I was healing, holy, and from within. It allowed me to take a good, hard look at the ways in which my fear that I didn't deserve love and belonging was a self-fulfilling prophecy so that I could face that fear head-on and learn a different story. Each and every person yearns for connection and deserves to feel the sweet embrace of love. The kind of forgiveness work this kind of forgiveness work is not really about anyone but ourselves. It's about freeing ourselves from our past, from the stories we've told about ourselves that aren't true, from the ways in which we have hidden from deep connection because it will likely be painful. It's about loving ourselves enough to shake ourselves free from all of the grudges and pain and blaming that can feel so comforting and safe sometimes. It's about loving ourselves. And only when we truly love ourselves can we even think about loving anyone else. English poet, painter, and printmaker of the Romantic Age, William Blake, once said that it's easier to forgive an enemy than it is to forgive a friend. I think it's safer, at least, 
safer to forgive someone no longer close enough to do you any real harm. It's forgiving those we still hold dear, that we will keep in our lives, that remains so risky. Unitarian Universalist minister David Blanchard writes, Forgiveness is still a little bit reckless and illogical, but so is love, having children, or creating anything that we are going to give away. But we do these things all the time, and we trust that because we have done them, we will be more fulfilled, more connected, more present to the joys and wonders of the world. The alternative is to be satisfied with dismal, little, corroded existences, but most of the time we rarely make a conscious choice between the two. That doesn't seem like much of a choice to me. And we sometimes delude ourselves into thinking that we can control the recklessness of love. We cannot. Loving another is a terrible risk. It takes great courage. Because love means that you will be hurt. Love means opening yourself up to your own vulnerability. Love means telling someone where your deep, what your deepest fears are and where your most sensitive spots are and then forgiving them for awakening those fears and stepping on those sensitive spots sometimes. As Reinhold Niebuhr put it in our responsive reading, forgiveness is the final form of love. For in every relationship, eventually, there will be a need for forgiveness. We are human. We make mistakes, a lot of them. We hurt each other, sometimes on purpose, and often just by being thoughtless and caught up in our own stuff. We bring up sorrow in each other that has lived there a long time. This is the beautiful messiness of love. It shows something of who we are of how much courage we have, of how much we value ourselves, how well we are able to keep forgiving those we love, especially when we are forgiving them for the same things over and over again. I'm not very tidy. At this point, many of you have seen the tides of my office, how I clean it completely, And over time, the clutter builds and builds, and then the mugs of coffee start to get left in there. And then it gets so out of control that I start apologizing for it, and it starts to really bug me. And then I completely clean it again. This is how I treat my own space, how I've always treated my own spaces. At home, however, I live with someone who is very, very tidy. He loves order. Everything needs to have a place, and everything is right in the world when everything is in its place. While I make valiant efforts to clean up after myself at home, this is not an area of strength for me. It is an uphill battle, and I do not often succeed. The same process, as we can see in my office, seems to happen there too. Slowly but surely, piles of stuff begin to grow and grow, wearing on the last nerve of my beloved. Never mind that we've now added a puppy into the mix. (laughs) Now, I don't share this with you because this is the most terrible thing that I do to Seth that he has to forgive me for over and over. Very far from it. But I share it because it is one that makes my point about the nature of relationships 
and the centrality of forgiveness within them. Whomever we love, I'm sure that they have at least one quality that just wears at our last nerve. I'm sure that your partners and your children and your parents and your friends all have some part of who they are that just bugs you. And part of loving them is forgiving them for being human, is accepting them for being who they are, and not exactly who you would make them into if you had the chance. And really loving them means cherishing even the parts of them that makes you a bit crazy and thanking them for the opportunity to grow that they are giving you. And so this is also true to some degree for the more serious transgressions that happen all the time in relationships. We all have moments when we take out our frustration about something on a loved one that didn't deserve it. We all speak unkindly to others. We all forget to do something important at home or forget a call on an important day or forget to appreciate our loved ones enough. Being human means messing up. And loving humans means constantly forgiving each other. Now there is a line here. Love doesn't mean allowing others to consistently take their pain out on us. That is called abuse. It doesn't mean not calling out inappropriate behavior and expecting heartfelt apologies. It doesn't mean accepting the same mistake over and over again when there's no progress towards changing inappropriate behaviors. But it does mean understanding that change takes time and a lot of hard work. It does mean accepting that your loved ones carry pain that hold them back sometimes. It does mean loving them in their sorrow and supporting them in their growth. It does mean forgiving in hopes that our loved ones can forgive themselves. And it means owning the ways in which we have messed up and forgiving ourselves while committing to do better next time. How many of us are willing to admit that we have ever spoken harshly to another person? Anyone? How many of us have ever lost patience with someone else? How many of us have spoken behind someone else's back? What else have you done that might have hurt someone? What else do you carry that you need to let go of? Norman Naylor says of sanctuaries like this one, do not leave your cares at the door. Do not leave there your pain your sorrow, or your joys. Bring them with you into this place of acceptance and forgiveness. Place them on the common altar of life and offer them the possibility of your worship. Come then and offer yourself to potential transformation by the creative process that flows through you and all life. Whatever it is that you carry with you into this place, Whatever grudges you cling to, whatever transgressions you've committed, whatever you need to forgive in yourself or in someone else, leave it here. Place it on this altar. You don't have to take it with you. Feel the freedom of leaving your sorrow behind. Let forgiveness heal you. 
Contemporary spiritual activist and author Marianne Williams writes, the practice of forgiveness is our most important contribution to the healing of the world. Contribute to the healing of the world. Start with yourself. Move out from there. Practice the final form of love. Amen.